Grammy winner and Grammy nominee, George Winston has been known for his solo acoustic piano music. And uh, he has many, many albums, Autumn, December, Winter into Spring, Summer, Forest, and Plains. And George is going to explain a little bit about that in the conversation that will follow. And I want to welcome all of you to this episode of Mostly Folk. I will be speaking with George Winston, and you'll learn a little bit more about George as we continue this conversation. But let's start the program off with a song from George's most recent album called Spring Carousel, an album that was recently released, within the last week as a matter of fact, and uh, available for purchase. So I thought we'd open up the program today with a tune from that album, which in and of itself has a special meaning, and we'll explain that later. But here's George Winston with Many Clocks. My name's Audie Martello, and welcome to Mostly Folk.
from his recently released album Spring Carousel that was George Winston with many clocks. Well, as I always do, I started the conversation with George by asking him to describe his growing up and early childhood and some of his influences. And here's what he had to say. Yeah, I grew up uh, mainly in eastern Montana. And in Miles City, Montana, there wasn't any television. And I think it was one radio station. I'm sure there was one radio station. It was, uh, and really the the seasons were so distinct and extreme. They're extremely different from each other, uh, and that was the whole way of living. That was the whole entertainment was the seasons, like make hmm. a snowman in the winter, play baseball in the spring, swim in the summer, jump into the leaves in the fall. So the whole the seasons were. It, everything to me and of uh, course that led you to uh record uh music about the seasons and um but that comes later on (laughs) yeah i didn't really listen to music till i was 12 i didn't uh had a couple piano lessons wasn't interested it was baseball that i was interested in and um yeah, music and I didn't really intersect. I mean, I'd hear something on a car radio. And then when I was 12, uh, we'd moved to Billings, Montana, a bigger city, and there was more radio. And uh, for some reason, I started listening to the radio, and there were a lot of instrumental hits. And that's what I loved was the instrumentals, not any vocals. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd wind up listening to the news five minutes before the news when they would play instrumentals. And just uh, I didn't buy records, but I just... I just listened, you know, I just turned on the radio and, um, and I particularly liked or the sound of organ. So, um, the next six years, I just listened to stuff that, uh, mainly had organ and, um, the adult stations had a lot of instrumentals and that's where I heard Jimmy Smith and Groove Holmes, a great jazz organist. So I just loved organ as a listener. And the, a few rock bands had organ, like the Young Rascals, Felix, Felix, <clears throat> Young Rascals with Felix Cavalieri. And um, when I uh, then early January '67, um, I, you know, was at a record store at the weekend, looking, you know, looking for records with organ, like I did every couple times a month. And a friend of mine. Uh, uh, who's also loved organ, he brought this record to me and said, this band has organ. It was The Doors. And they mm-hmm. weren't known outside of L.A., and I'd, I hadn't heard of them, so I got the record, went home, put it on, said, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. i got to get an organ and play in a band. So they're the ones uh-huh. that spurred me to uh, not just play the record player. And um, as they would say back then, you know, what do you play? I play the record player. And... <laughs> So played in a couple bands and things weren't quite right. I figured it's because I wasn't hadn't been playing that long. Then I heard Fats Waller's piano recordings four years later, and I realized, oh, it's solo piano, not organ in a band. So both those realizations were 30 seconds, very, very quick.
two songs from George's 1972 album Ballads and Blues on Tacoma Records, which was founded by John Fahey. And George will speak a little bit about John Fahey. But uh, let's continue on with George's journey. Uh, so I switched to piano. haven't played anything electric since. And... Uh, uh, but yeah, I did love Procol Harum with Matthew Fisher on organ and uh, the early Deep Purple with John Lord playing organ and you know, Ray Manzarek with The Doors, Felix Cavalieri with, with The Rascals and Al Cooper with the first Blood, Sweat and Tears album, all the things Al Cooper did mm-hmm. and does. And um, the jazz organist I loved the most were Jimmy Smith, Jimmy McGriff, um Lesser known player, the great Gene Ludwig, and uh, also a lesser known player, uh, Rich, Little Richie Varola, uh, and Groove Holmes. And uh, never did get a Hammond B3, I had kind of a cheesy little Farfisa. So, kind of went through the electric thing, you know, had a Leslie speaker and, you know, reverb and fuzz and wah and all these effects. and it was a big mess, and oh, uh, when I heard Fats Waller's recordings, I said, "Oh, I get it, solo piano." Not even Vince Guaraldi, not even Vince Guaraldi, had spurred me to play piano instead of organ. I loved Vince's things, the "Cast Your Fate to the Wind" from '62, uh, and '65. I heard the uh, first broadcast of the Charlie Brown Christmas. And got that record, uh, and but it really took it took Fats Waller to make the change, and so that's kind of the first part of the story, I guess. There's a saying loosely in the flamenco guitar tradition that you know listen for 20 years, practice for 20 years, accompany dancers for 20 years, and at 60 you're ready to be a solo guitar player. <laughs> not, not exactly, but kind of the stages. So I went through stages of <clears throat> seasons, then listening to instrumentals and organ, and then playing organ, and then p- playing piano. And I look back and I go, well, that was a bunch of transitions. You know, do this first, do this second, do this third, do this fourth. So, um, But I think whatever happens to all of us, we just deal with it and we do what we do and we all learn from whatever happens or whatever we get involved with. You've been doing this all your life. I mean, you, you've you never had an, a different job. So oh, oh I did. Yeah, the first, you did? Um, I made the first album in 1972 for John Fahey's Tacoma label called uh, Ballads and Blues 1972 and uh, there wasn't much chance to play live. I It was in L.A. I did a bunch of you know, I did free a free thing here and there, but yeah, I had other jobs till 1980. Uh, <clears throat> when I did the Autumn record, it it sold well, and there's a chance to play live. And uh, you know, I I uh, play songs to my main endeavor is playing live. That's my main concept of um, having playing music. Secondarily, be doing a record once in a while.
How did you come in contact with John Fahey? I was uh, living in Redwood City, California. Uh, at the time, I'd heard I'd heard Fats Waller's music. I'd gotten the record from the library. Actually, <clears throat> excuse me. I'd actually uh, gone to the public library, had a library card, and got a record uh, called "Jimmy Smith Plays Fats Waller" because. You know, I was a real Jimmy Smith fan. I got it, and it was great. And then next week when I went to the library, I saw Fats Waller records. So, oh, well, let's see who he was. Um, and I put it on, and it was a song called Got a Brand New Suit. And after 30 seconds, I went, yep, solo piano, not organ in a band. I just left the electric gear someplace. I didn't even sell it. I was so gone uh, from playing electric. And then... So I would hitchhike down to uh, Stanford University to their piano practice rooms in Palo Alto, you know, a few miles from Redwood City. Yeah. Um, the practice room was closed at 11, so I would walk over to the coffee house where they had a piano and then kind of just play informally, you know, the things I practiced. Um, and then... Uh, at the coffee house closed at one. Then I'd go sleep in a basement I was sleeping in, in a closet in a basement, in a fraternity house that turned into a hippie house on Stanford campus. And then wake up the next morning, worked at a car wash, you know, like till five. Uh, then next day, go to the practice rooms, go to the coffee house. It was kind of that's that's basically what I did every day, and. So one day I was getting up to play, and a guitarist got up before me and started playing. His name is John Krieger, and I loved what he did. And he played, and after that I played, and then we talked, and he said, are you familiar with John Fahey? I said, no. So we went to his house. He played me the records, and um, I, just, I realized <clears throat> John Fahey's doing everything that I'd like to do. But I didn't know anybody could do it. You know, he's playing solo <laughs> instrumental concerts. He's making solo instrumental records. He's recording other solo instrumental players, um, and on his own label. And I said, "Wow, it can be done." I mean, mm -hmm. 
that's that's uh, having a mentor is great because it shows you it can be done. You know, there's that old story of the uh, the uh, first recorded four minute mile by Roger Bannister, I think it was back in the fifties, and nobody had ever run one as far as it being it being documented and recorded. And after he did, then more True. and more people did. It's something about knowing something it could be done that really pushes you ahead. So, oh, I met John. Oh, maybe a year later, played him a couple things, said, sign me up for a record. George's 1972 album, Ballads and Blues. And as I said before, that was on Tacoma Records, a record label founded by John Fahey. And George talked about John Fahey as being an inspiration for him. There weren't any mentors until I heard John Fahey. There were people that were doing it. Fred Gerlach had done a record way back in the early 50s I hadn't heard on 12 string, uh, but it was it was really rare. It kind of just wasn't done. Well, you kind of created though from those beginnings. You you created a sound, I think, that can be identified. Yeah, I guess uh, what happened was when I started playing piano after hearing Fats Waller. You know, that of course that's stride piano, the up tempo stuff, and um, I wanted something the opposite. Uh, like when I was in bands, it'd be up-tempo numbers for dances, you know, and then there'd be slow songs. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted, so I created that, what I called, that came up with that style that I call folk piano, because it was like folk songs, simple, melodic, mm-hmm. what they call diatonic, you know, and staying in the key and the scale. And a little bit, it was a little, came a little bit from the instrumental side, you know, grown up listening to, and a little bit from John Krieger, John Fay, the, the fingerstyle guitar thing. But 
almost most of it was just the sounds of the piano, the way the piano mm-hmm. sustains and the way notes ring out and the overtones when you uh, let notes ring out. Just the sounds in the piano uh, is what formed that way of playing. So I called it rural folk or piano or folk piano for short because they, they sometimes they call fingerstyle guitar instrumental folk guitar. Sometimes they'd say, John, John Faye's playing folk guitar. And I went, okay, well, it's folk piano. It's really similar kind of thing, you know, playing melodically. And, uh, I mean, John did up-tempo stuff, too. Uh, John Faye did. But uh, yeah. So I came up with that as something to complement the up-tempo stuff.
at the same time, I started like working on Vince Guaraldi pieces. You know, the well-known Linus and Lucy from Charlie Brown Christmas, Catch a Bait to the Wind. And I would always mm-hmm. have a cassette player up to a television and tape the next Peanuts episode. And um, I, I uh, recorded a lot of songs from those 16 episodes he did before he passed on back in 1976. Right. So he did the first 16 of those. So um, still working on Vince Guaraldi pieces. Three composers that I've want, wanted to play all their songs have been Vince Guaraldi, The Doors, and Professor Longhair from New Orleans. And they they all don't work as solo piano instrumental pieces, but I, I, I love all the pieces of those three composers. So um, still working on it all. his album Linus and Lucy, the music of Vince Guaraldi that was, of course, George Winston with You're in Love, Charlie Brown. 
I want to remind you, you're listening to Mostly Folk, and I'm speaking with George Winston. And although I I haven't identified all of the songs on this particular interview, you can go to mostlyfolk.org, and there will be a complete playlist. The songs I played a while ago were from some of George's earlier albums, uh, Winter into Spring, December, and Summer. Now, I spoke to George about the fact that he also plays guitar, plays it very well, although he's completely modest about it. But if you want to uh, check out George, he has no actual recordings of playing the guitar. Uh, He'll explain this in uh, this upcoming segment. But you can go to YouTube and check out the videos of George Winston playing the guitar. The guitar what's, doesn't want anything to do with anything predictable or monetary. Or The guitar is like a feral cat, you know. It just okay. wants to do what it wants to do, when it wants to do it. And I unfortunately don't have as much time to practice as I'd like to. But I have done one. I did one soundtrack and then the guitar solos appear alone called Sadical and the Thousand Paper Cranes with uh, Liv Ullman narrating. And it's a Japanese post World War II story, and so that's. Uh, and then there was a benefit record um, uh, for 9/11 EP, a short CD called Remembrance, and I did three guitar pieces on there. So <clears throat> once in a while, something. Once in a great, great, great while, something on record, but uh, I do a couple guitar pieces in the piano shows just to. Uh, get a different sound, you know, just to break uh-huh. up the sound of the piano. And I have done solo guitar concerts. Um but yeah, guitar just doesn't and they're all they're all benefits when I do those concerts. The guitar just doesn't want anything to do with money. I'd like to remind you that if you go to George Winston's website, there is a tremendous amount of information. I covered it when talking to George, but somehow the phone on my side got a little garbled, so I had to uh, edit out those uh, conversations uh, that uh, referred to his website. But let me tell you something. It's a great website. There's loads of information. I almost... uh, feel guilty (laughs) having this podcast uh, talk about George because it's all there on his website. Quite interesting, and uh, you should check it out if you're a George Winston fan because there are so many different categories and uh, lessons to be learned. Uh, One of the things that I did ask George was about the fact that in addition to guitar, he's a very accomplished harmonica player. And in 2013, recorded an album called Harmonica Solos. Oh, uh, well, I liked, um, always liked harmonica, the harmonica, the sound of the harmonica, and so many great players. And I started playing harmonica about the same time as guitar, about 75 or 1975 or so. And then I heard Sam, the late Sam Hinton at the San Diego Folk Festival, and he was playing, played one song with a drone accompaniment, played another, it was like stride, 
stride piano. He was playing a bass and a chord and the melody. And I went, oh, my goodness, it can be done. I didn't even mm-hmm. know that was possible. And so I started studying Sam's work and eventually talked to him into recordings. We produced a two-CD set of all his, all Sam Hinton's harmonica solos. He's, he was very well known as a folk singer of traditional songs, but his harmonica playing was not well documented so we we did that and um so i and then also later my other main harmonica mentor is named rick epping and he's now moved to ireland for the third time we've also been recording rick epping so everything i do in harmonica comes from something that i learned from uh sam hinton or rick epping i learned from uh sam uh how to get a drone note going on the harmonica and, you know, the bass r- rhythm chord and melody. And I learned from Rick Epping, you know, how to tune the harmonica to other tunings and to tune it, to retune in general, even the concept. I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know you could do that. And, hmm. uh, learned lots of songs from both Sam Hinton and Rick Epping. And I, I play different from both of them now. Um, I couldn't do it like them anyway, but it, you know things change over the years. You have your mentors, and then you kind of, <clears throat> I've, you know, I've never really looked to find my own way. I just, uh, when I've had mentors, I've just, you just find your own way naturally because you can't yeah. be somebody else. I'm a song player. I just want to play songs, but the mentors yeah. sure help. Boy, you know. well, I'll play a old American fiddle tune called "Cold Frosty Morning."
once again from George's 2013 album Harmonica Solos that was Cold Frosty Morning. So George's new album is called Spring Carousel, released recently at the end of March, and it's a cancer research benefit album. And I'll let George explain. I had a bone marrow transplant at City of Hope uh, in late 2012, and uh, that was a result of very low platelets. The bone bone marrow wasn't producing uh, platelets well, and that that's the cure. And it was great. It was great to be there, and um, and also worked with the folks at Be The Match. They're the ones that match donors with um, uh, people in need. And um, the uh, bone marrow donating is much less known than blood donations. So Mm -hmm. I've been working with Be The Match and City of Hope and with that as well. And the... um, when I was recovering, they have a they had a village. They have a village very close by. You can stay there, uh, especially if you're from out of town. Then you can walk to your doctor appointment. So it's just um, wonderful. And I also had access to the piano in the auditorium anytime I wanted. So, uh-huh. so I was practicing um, practicing for uh, you know I started touring again and. I never composed anything on purpose ever, but a bunch of songs just kind of emerged out of that. And um, these 15 came together, uh, and the record wouldn't happen without City of Hope, uh, the treatment, and access to the piano. So it was obvious it was a benefit record for City of Hope's uh, research and the uh, they're, they're a research facility as well as a hospital. They're non-profit. So, um, and uh, the album has kind of three types of songs. It has carousels, which are kind of swirling songs, sometimes repetitive, sometimes kind of high on the piano, kind of, I call them carousels because they're kind of circular in nature.
music box-ish a little bit. A bit in, inspired a lot of them by Steve Reich's work, the great uh, 20th and 21st century composer. Uh-huh. Uh, and they were usually they're medium or up-tempo pieces. And then a second bunch of pieces called bouquets, and those are the ballads. And then a third bunch of pieces called Ms. Mystery, and those are the up-tempo ones. So uh, there were like 58 pieces, and these 15 over time seemed to fit together the best.
Yeah, I I try to call each album. The title is it's it's uh, kind of all factual. I try to call a song what it is to me. I try to call the album uh, what the theme of the album is. So all the albums have themes. I really got mm-hmm. that from Vince Guaraldi's Charlie Brown Christmas album, The Doors' first album. They seem to be albums. There was like one song with eleven parts. So when it later, mm-hmm. much later, when I started doing records, I said, "Well, that's the way I do them." And yeah. So it takes yeah. a long time because um, things just need to form on their own, and you know this might be a, a pretty good song, but it doesn't seem to fit. Uh, maybe it'll go someplace else. Um, so it it all kind of takes a long time, and it all is just kind yeah. of noticing everything. Yeah, like I said, the music tells you what to do. Now I have to put the work in, practice, and be able to play. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Do you practice? Do you continue to practice? Oh, yeah, I have to. And how do you do that when you're traveling? I mean, is it you just have to go in where wherever uh, the piano is and and sit down and practice? Yeah, we make break. Works works a lot of places. Um, And, you know, get to the venue at certain times and... uh, it's better than being a pipe organist because can you imagine being a pipe organist and you, you just have to find the right college or church? And so there are many more, many more pianos than there are pipe organs.
thought we'd end the program today with two tunes from George's Grammy-winning album, Forest. And what you just heard was The Cradle, and before that, Tamarack Ponds. Well, unfortunately, uh, George and I had such a long conversation, and I couldn't get all of it into the program today, or we'd be here for quite a long time. But I do want to thank George Winston for joining me today and for talking about his new album. Once again, the album is called Spring Carousel. You can learn so much about George by going to his website, georgewinston.com. And and also check out cityofhope.org because 100% of George's royalties will benefit the City of Hope Cancer Research Center. Thanks again for listening. Hope your day is fantastic. And I hope to see you right back here next time on Mostly Folk.